Welcome to the Explaining Albania podcast with me, Alice Taylor. My guest today is a man from Bristol called John Stokes. Now, I came across John's story in the newspaper this week whilst I was researching for exit. And if I'm honest, it made me feel pretty sad to be British. Now, John is a foster parent, a single man and a foster parent who brings children, young adults into his home. He provides them with a safe place to live, with education, with support. Now, the interesting thing about his story is um, he recently, well, a couple of years ago, he fostered a young Albanian man called Samet. Now, Samet was trafficked to the UK by his father uh, when he was still a child. He was suffering from PTSD, from horrific abuse that was inflicted upon him from a very young age. Now, when Samet turned 18, he had to request the right to continue living in the UK. This has been refused by the Home Office and the courts, uh, mainly because Albania is considered a safe country to return to. But the problem is that with victims of trafficking, there are a lot of risks involved. So you can't just say, oh, Albania is safe, it's fine to send them back, because that's not the case. There are many risks involved, not to mention the fact that young Samet is suffering from PTSD, which is a serious medical condition which requires ongoing treatment. Now, John started a petition to try and get the Home Office to take notice of the case. It has, at the time that I'm recording this, over 420,000 signatures of people who think that Samet should have the right to remain in the UK. Now, this is a fascinating story. John is an inspiring man. But what could potentially happen to him and Samet is very sad. Thank you so much for joining me today, John. Um, I just want to ask you sort of to start at the beginning, really. How did this this young man end up in your life? Right. Just to give you a brief history of me, I've been a foster carer in the UK for about 30 years. I'm a single man, um, was one of the first in the UK to become a foster carer as a single man. And for most of that period, I've looked after English youngsters, from um, often from broken homes and you know, uh, or sometimes criminal backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had quite a long history. And then uh, about just under six years ago, I'd moved to, I had spent some time working. I'd worked a lot for the local authority, but I also worked then for private. Came back to the local authority. And the first person they offered me was an, a young Albanian. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got no experience. And, they, and their <laughs> reaction was along the lines of, don't worry, nobody has. <laughs> because what I found going through this process is you, you are termed an expert after a few minutes work. Mm-hmm. Because, because it is totally, it's working off the, kind of off the hoof, if you like. It's, mm-hmm. it's working. There's not many experts until you get well into it and you yes. find people that don't really know what they're talking about. Certainly social workers, I'm not decrying them, but they don't have a lot of experience in that. So mm-hmm. I had to go through the process um, with the young lad, Ali, um, and it was all new to me. So it was like meeting the home office, um, going through the checks, going through all of this. And that went on um, until we got to 18. We went to court and we won the case, um, which was amazing. But but he had been tipped to become one of the best chefs in the UK by a Michelin star chef. Brilliant. So that, what a success story. It, oh, it's amazing. And like I said, that was he was a head chef when he was 19. Wow. You know, um, having worked with a Michelin star chef for uh, about a year, he came back 
uh, to, to, to well, he stayed with me, but he was working away. He yeah. came back to me, um, started working at a restaurant, became a head chef um, while he was 19. By the time he was, you know, before he was 21, he was the director of the company. Great. Does he cook Albanian food at all? Not at this point in no. time, but mm-hmm. that is one of the, um, that's one of the reasons, because you can imagine a child growing up in Albania. Yes, he mm-hmm. knows Albanian food, but it, when you're growing up in, you know, in the background in Albania, you, you don't get out to eat like in England, we yes. used to go out to eat a lot. Mm-hmm. Most youngsters haven't spent their time going out to restaurants and getting to know, you know, other than what's cooked at home. Mm-hmm. And um, he would like to do some Albanian food, with, perhaps with an English twist to it. Ah, um, and he wants to get his own restaurant. Yeah. Um, and when he gets that, because you can imagine that the English are very kind of stuck in their way. So, so <laughs> when I was young, Italian food was a new thing. Yes. And it's become accepted, <laughs> and 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 all you know, and it's like people you you're going to get youngsters in England that think curry is English now because yeah, because yeah. it's become established. Yeah. <laughs> Albanian restaurants are very very rare, yes. and yet Albanians working in restaurants. There was a large, large number. Mm-hmm. So hopefully when he gets his own restaurant, then I'm not sure it be that's an old made restaurant, but it'll certainly be introduced thing because oh, both boys I, I got of I think it goes without saying with almost everybody I've met from Albania, they are proud Albanians. Yes, yes. They might not uh like the circumstances they came mm-hmm. from sometimes or but what's happening to them on be the journey, But they are proud to be yes. Albanians and you know, you, you see, um, you see that, you know, when they see the flag, when they see anything, mm-hmm. they are totally, you know, and I, this is why I think our governments should cooperate more. Yes. Because I think these youngsters have so much to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ali's case, he was an example. He was a top student, um, mm-hmm. outstanding student in his year at college. Well, he, he did more than a year, but he was then picked up by the Michelin star chef. Um, and in Samit's case, he came. He went to um, to college the first year. His, his English wasn't as good as Ali's had been. So the first year was a lot of basic stuff, but then he got into carpentry and became the outstanding student again. That's amazing. And, um, you know, it I just shows that, you what the yeah. right environment can do for somebody, can't it? You know, if you have that support system around you, you have someone like yourself who's offering sort of that safe environment. They're in a in a good school. I mean, the sky's yes. the limit for these guys. Yes, yes. and the, the the attitude. Now, mm-hmm. um, I have to say the you know you probably know yourself the, the attitude of many English young people is they've had so much they take mm-hmm. it for granted. Yes, I've not met a young Albanian who takes it for granted. They mm-hmm. come, they work as hard as they have to work mm-hmm. to succeed. Yes, and they appreciate it. I mean, I can remember Ali said to me when he started college. He said, "I can't stand it. There, there are people sat in the class with phones." tapping away of messages he said why are they doing that uh-huh. i want to learn and and that yeah. is the it's the enthusiasm of education yes that they bring and you know i've used my boys as an example to many young english you know and i th- i think this is why we need to do it better because mm-hmm. a lot of young english young people can learn from young yes Albanians. i agree i think there's been the media in england especially has been very unfair to albanians you know, it's very quick to report on all oh, drug trafficking and this, that and the other. But no one really bothers to look at why people this, are getting involved exactly. in these things. This, this is one of the things I've been trying to address mm-hmm. along with other people is that I will openly admit that when I was that day, I was told that Ali was coming in a few minutes. 
I saw Albania. What do I know about Albania? <laughs> and what I knew about Albania was, I think it's in Europe. It, it was, um, there was a communist re regime there. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't honestly point to it on a map. Yeah. I, thought, I, I thought of other countries that I knew, you know, Romania. Uh, I hadn't really no knowledge of it. Yes, uh, me too. So, <laughs> so for me, it was a massive Google learning experience because yes. there was nobody else to turn to. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, the other knowledge of, you know, I make the boys, you know, a few, few occasions. I can remember one night here with both the boys. I called them down. I said, look, boys, I've watched three films tonight. One of them was a South American. One of them was a North American. And one of them was European. And in all of them, the gangsters were Albanian. The bad guys <laughs> were Albanian. I said, we're indoctrinated. It's Steven Seagal against the Albanians. Or mm -hmm. this is the, you know, and yet. This is stereotype. Every Albanian I've met, I've, mm -hmm. I've found warm, welcoming. Yes. I, you know, I found them a, a lovely people. Now, I've and, interviewed and I, I've interviewed people as a part of my work who've been involved in drug trafficking and not human trafficking, but people smuggling, yeah. so smuggling yeah. migrants. And I've interviewed them sort of anonymously or whatever, and they're just normal people. And I've asked each of them the same question, why are you doing this? And, you know, one guy, he told me, I mean, he's been in prison already. He said, I am supporting my children, my wife, my parents, exactly. my father's sister. I can't live on 200 euros a month. Uh, I can't find a job. Yeah. The government doesn't help me. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And, and I don't a, blame them for this. It's the same here. You see, I, because I've looked after so many youngsters, I've grown up with people that are now, if you like, uh, you know, drug lords. Mm -hmm. You know, when I say grown up, I mean through my work in life. Yes. Um, youngsters who have gone on to become like whether drug lords or, or gangsters or English gangsters. Yes. And to, to a man, I've got on well with them because they're, they're kind of, they have a, um, they, despite what they do, they have a humanity, you mm -hmm. know, the ones I've known. And they are doing it out of, necessity more and yes because they haven't had choices in life yes um and i don't think it's about good and bad people but mm -hmm. what the english media or nationality or nationality yeah mm -hmm. um what the english media does it's picks and and other media so for particularly american like hollywood yes. and whatever albanians tend to be bad guys in the films yep. you don't get the albanian heroes and what's been wonderful the last couple of years is is that having people like Dua Lipa, um mm -hmm. come you know come through Rita um, Ora. yeah and <laughs> because i'm involved in music as well that is so inspiring yes to see people you know the english youngster can say wow now albanian is cool yeah, yeah and for a lot of young people it is yes becoming cool because and it's of become a very popular holiday destination as well it's like the edgy place to go on holiday i mean before the pandemic and everything it was becoming somewhere really sort of interesting for people yes yeah and i um i had property you know i lived in spain for some years mm -hmm. and spain obviously you know we're going back a bit spain uh, after franco um i see there's a kind of a, a connection there because spain became the the go-to place yes for, for, and still is to some extent um but what happened was there was a, a lot of corruption there um mm -hmm. you know to buy a house there was complicated there was always payoffs um, all that sort of culture um, and what I saw happening while I was there was that some of that was eroding because tourists were bringing in money that yes. that still meant people got rich who would 
perhaps always the best of people, but what it also meant, they had to be compromises. Yes. Um, because you go through the levels. And I think Albania personally, from what I've seen at the moment, is at a level where the people that go to Albania now, the English people, are the people that want to go somewhere different. Yes. Everything I've seen and heard about Albania over the last couple of years tells me that there could be masses of English go to Albania mm-hmm. if they had a better view of it. Yeah. You know, and when I say that, they go to Greece, they go to Corfu, mm-hmm. they go to they go to places with the same climate and the Croatia. same scenery and the same scenery, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just that kind of mentality, yes. that image of Albania. Um, and that's why I think if the governments work together. They Albania stands a lot to gain. Yeah, from, but I think they they stand from, a lot know. to gain from each other. But exactly. okay, tell me about Summit. The, so Summit. he came into the Summit my life. To, yeah, Summit came to me. We went through the same as with Ali. We went to court and we lost. Um, so you appealed for you. You went to court to. So he came. He came he, to he Albania. Came to me, he, he, he came. He came to me. He went to school. And he got good at school. He went to college and got very good at college. Mm-hmm. And in that period, we then, just after his 18th birthday, which is usually when it happens, we, yep. went, we had to go to court. To apply uh, for him to stay legally in the yes, UK. Yeah, now to, he's to apply for leave, leave okay. to remain. You, you, you make your asylum claim, but asylum's not usually granted. It's simply okay. because they're, not, they're, they're seen as coming from a safe country. Their right. best is to get leave to remain. Yep. Um, and that was declined, as it mm-hmm. usually as it is in almost all Albanian cases, yes. whether, um, unfortunately. Um, and then you choose to appeal. And you go through a system which went on for 12, 18 months, probably about 18 months, or mm-hmm. a system of appeals where you go up through the courts. But unfortunately, you could only appeal on the original grounds of the case. And yeah. bear in mind, when a child's been with you for, say, 18 months, two years, the grounds you have compared with two years later are small. Because mm-hmm. you find it out and develop it all the time. So, in other words, he's getting better at college and all this. You cannot go back and change the evidence. You could only appeal on technicalities. Mm-hmm. And that was a frustrating experience. So we had to spend, like I said, best part of 18 months going through that without success, with the knowledge that we would be lucky, very, very lucky to be successful. And the, and the chance well, we wouldn't be. Finally, at the end of the line, you're allowed to make a fresh claim. Okay. Termed a fresh claim, which is what we made. For that, we had a country expert report, a very good country expert report. I have a top barrister, one of the best in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got that purely by raising money and awareness. Great. Uh, because I started a petition, which now has 420,000 signatories. Amazing. I signed now, it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that would convince the Home Office that there's a lot of interest in this yes. boy and a lot of support. Um, and it has, in some cases, that has happened. I don't know why it's been turned down. I don't know if somebody at the Home Office said, well, look, this guy's already won a case. We're not letting him win this time. I, I honestly don't uh-huh. know if it's first or whatever. But we now have been turned down on this fresh claim. Even with all the evidence, the Home and it went to the Home Office. It didn't go to the court. It goes to the Home Office. But mm-hmm. now we get the chance to appeal, which not everybody gets, and we go okay. to court. Okay. So I don't know the time scale of that, but we go to court and I'm trying to raise the awareness. Um, but I've had to fund it myself. And this yes. is the problem. Most young people that come will not have foster carers or things. I couldn't fund it out of my own um, savings. I'm, a, I'm now 67, so I haven't got that sort of money apart from my foster allowance. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is gone to a GoFundMe and, and raise. Yeah. In the last two days since I've reopened it, 
we've raised nine thousand pounds that's amazing and that will work us through the next stage or two of core that's great can we now i i want to respect samed's privacy and i don't want you to to share anything that might you know be unfair to be shared yeah. but for people listening can we talk a bit about what happened to him how he's dealt with it and what the implications are if he goes back because this to me is the crux of why it's imperative he's he remains in the uk yeah when you say what's happened do you mean from from albania yeah, it, yeah. what you can yeah. tell us yes you know. well, he, he he grew up you know he grew up in your part of albania Mm-hmm. Um, he was on the uh, on the streets earning money for the family. Yeah, um, at eleven years old, begging. Wow. And you would know the the history of so many of these children. That you yeah. know, there there is that often um, is uh, my understanding is a very patriarchal society. Yes. You cannot go against the wishes of your father. And yeah. you, if your father happens to be um, whatever he is, if he's not a good person then you, you are, suffer you suffer because of yeah. that um and if your family has a bad reputation you can't and, get a job you are shunned you're excluded and, and if if your father has enemies then you're at risk mm-hmm. you you are at massive risk now he was taken by his father to belgium mm-hmm. um and there ran away yeah and got to the uk wow at uh, a very young age well, that, but that's how he got to me. So that was at wow. six, that was at sixteen. So it's it spent five years having to earn money each day to support a family or get beaten. It that was you know that life. Um, and again, you you all know that a lot of these youngsters are deprived of education. Yeah, not because the education is not there, because they're not allowed by circumstances mm-hmm. to to access it. Yes. Um. So he. So he, as Ali before him, when he came and got education it was like a sponge he soaked up every yes. every bit he could but like i said he made it he made it as far as me he did really well at school he did really well at college um but he had ptsd and that was diagnosed quite early on yes which is a very um, serious let's just mention it's not just you know something where you get flashbacks or you get a bit depressed no. ptsd is it's, a very serious condition it's that what soldiers have, get after battle yeah it has physical consequences it can have very detrimental long-term impacts as well it has to be treated regularly absolutely and here's his term severe uh, wow. ptsd so so i mean it's like i say it's like a soldier gets in battle yes um you know last year when we started the campaign because i'm in music we did a record i'm a soldier because what we did in it is likened the young Albanians to soldiers. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. those that come are fought every day yes. to, for their lives, basically. Yes. The fight might be different when it comes to the UK, but it's no less traumatic. So for me, no, what the course. Home Office are doing is layering more levels. Of course. I mean, imagine going through something so traumatic at the hands of your own family. And as a child or you or a young adult, having been through that, all you want is somewhere safe, somewhere secure, somewhere that is home, somewhere where you are protected. That's the only way you can work through PTSD. And if someone, the state is trying to take that away from you, that is going to just compound the 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 feeling of insecurity and fear that this this adult, this person is already yeah. having. I mean, Ali, Ali, my older lad, is a symbol of what you can achieve, you know, to be mm, a head chef, to be 
to be a company director at 21. That is what you can achieve if you're given all those things that you said. And that is what, as a foster carer, I am asked to do. Now, yes, I've gone beyond because I've had to find money and things. Mm -hmm. and And many foster carers around the UK have contacted me to say, you know, we're in a similar situation. Yeah. Um, I'm working with a, um, a group in London, a charity called Spraiser, um, who an Albanian who help. They're basically an Albanian charity. Spraiser, uh, yeah. Spraiser, sorry, yeah, my pronunciation. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's been enlightening for me how many people, yes. uh, and I'm going to be working with them, hoping to encourage Albanians that are resident in the UK to become foster carers because there's a big yes. need there is, for. Yes. The, uh, and it's also an income and it's somewhere yes. another way that people can can help and get involved but um as i said with Samit, we're now at the stage where we have to go to court again he he his ptsd is severely affected because this is you can imagine how devastating yeah. this is and the fear of being sent back oh. as well i mean can i ask do you know yeah. is his father in albania again or i do don't know? know i honestly I mean, don't because know because that alone not we knowing so where, I mean, that's a huge risk because I know from the work that I've done in human trafficking that the, especially when the family members are the ones responsible for trafficking the children, the risk of re-trafficking is extremely yes, high. Massive. And what extremely we do know high. is the father incurred debts over years. And those debts, well, you'll you're know yourself, those debts pass to the, the sons. Yeah. Yes. It, it, yeah, he will be, I mean, the risk, you know. The risk of him returning, you know, and bumping into um, his father or a debtor or an enemy of his father on the street is is not only dangerous for him in terms of what impact it will have on his mental health, walking around in that constant state of yeah. fear. Um, his name could be blackened as well through association. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's also a risk to his, his physical safety. I mean, yes. it's mind boggling that they're even considering to send him back. Yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I even after years of fighting, I'm still astounded by mm-hmm. the callousness that, yes. you know, because they have a policy and they intend to stick to it. Now, what I don't understand is, is we have a, a government that is very money based mm-hmm. in this particular government. It's, so in other mm-hmm. words, it's, it's all, you they know, like money. money. Yeah, m- <laughs> money dictates it. You know, there's been fortunes made out of the pandemic by friends yes. of the government. You know, yes. I mean, that, that happens, you know, but, what to me is makes bloody sense is why do we take it as a, a, a society we take in these children that come from all countries mm-hmm. and a company we take them in we give them all those things that you said about the safety the security the education mm-hmm. that's an investment from this country for those yes. children yes. so why what what person in their right mind throws their investment away yes or hands it back to criminals because that's yes. that's all we are doing is handing that investment back to he, criminals yeah we, he will not be get, able to find a job when he gets back he here. Will, it'll be very difficult he will struggle he will end up working whether through choice or not in something that's probably yeah. not legal you know it's a huge waste and of money it's the same here in the uk because those that have gone on the run will be working for gangs and traffickers yep. in the uk virtually as slaves because they have no rights and they will never pay any tax. Mm-hmm. But what that means, you know, to me, that's why I think I believe that they, they should be given an amnesty because yes. if we brought these youngsters and those that have been, you know, I've, I've met them now, young people in their 20s, you know, that have gone on, 
we bring them back into mainstream society, they will happily pay their taxes. They will be all the things that people accuse migrants of not being. Mm-hmm. As sorry, of, you know, like like insofar as you know, the the anti-migrant sort of population here are yes. always saying about oh well they they get everything for nothing. Well, they don't. We know that yeah. because and an Albanian as well as you will know, Albanians are extremely proud, especially the men. They I've, do not. I have not met an Albanian. Every Albanian I know would love to go and work in England, but notice I say work. They do not want to go to England and take money from the state. They want to go and work. Exactly. They want yeah. opportunities. They want career. They want something to be proud of. They don't exactly. want handouts. They just want a life which is their responsibility. Dignified. Yes. And and support, support their children and their family. Yes. And that's that's all everybody wants. And what it reminds yes. me of, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm late 60s now. And what it reminds me of is society in the UK going back to when I was young because we were much more family orientated than we are now. Sadly, having lived in Europe, I've seen the difference, you know, in Spain and France I've lived, and people are more family-based. In the UK, mm-hmm. family is not as strong as it used to no. be. But the Albanian, um, and this is what I have to impress on people, they assume that because they've had a, a bad family history or a negative family history, that they don't understand family. Actually, they understand <laughs> it better than we do. Yes. And, and are more keen on, set, on making their own family Yes. better than what perhaps they they've experienced themselves because yes. it's not it's not the whole family that's been against them it might be the father it might be mm-hmm. it might be because of what the father's done there's all sorts of reasons or it might just be poverty or whatever but they want to come and make a life and that's all, all they're asking for and you know like i said i've been so impressed with the albanians i've met um so and the two boys that i've looked after i've never met boys that are so loyal that are so respectful Mm-hmm. And yes, and um, you know, it's it's just it's really rewarding as a, a carer to know mm-hmm. that you can do something and achieve something. And I've had I've taken lots of plaudits for Ali. I mean, executives at United Nations in last year in New York and Geneva circulated Ali's story to wow, inspire brilliant. other migrants. Yes, and I just think that's that's the Albania that I've come to see through yes. through their eyes you know and that's why i'm keen to go there yeah, as soon as possible to you know, actually, it's, it is a fantastic country you know? but when you are coming from a situation like this such as being trafficked or being forced into working in crime or your family name is black and you can't find work then it is an extremely difficult country and this is why what i said to you earlier and um, the uk considers albania a safe country but every case is different and every case is intricate and it should not be sort of a a one you know one decision for all cases most of my work as a foster carer for 30 years has been working with abused children from Mm. the uk now we would not treat any child it would not be allowed to treat any child in the uk the way that the home office treats these children from albania from other countries because we wouldn't reject them we don't you know if somebody's abused then you get them help you get them the, the med- you know the one yes. thing is that you, you can get the medical backup here but yes we do not the way that our immigration system works is beneficial to traffickers and to gangs mm-hmm. but not to the young people it's no. not a, it's not about care I interviewed um, an executive from the Council of Europe at the end of last year, and she's working on a human trafficking sort of in in this area. 
Greta, the department's called. And she said, and I have it on the record, um, she said that sending victims of trafficking back to their country of origin should not be the priority. The priority should be settling them where they are. Yes. Um, yeah. And this, I mean, this is a human rights issue. When you take into the account the, the, the fact that this, this lad has PTSD as well, I can tell you that there are a severe lack of trained professionals in Albania. Um, he would not receive uh, therapy for free from the government. He wouldn't receive medication for free from the government. He would have to pay for it all. Therapy here costs around 25 euros per session. If you consider that the minimum salary in Albania is about 240 euros. I mean, to go to therapy once a week, that is almost half of what he could expect to earn if he could even get a job. And if you leave this PTSD untreated, I mean, that in itself is a, is a human rights issue. Yes. You're refusing yeah. treatment to somebody that well, needs it. Samet's case was raised by one of the um, members of parliament from Bristol, mm -hmm. um, raised it in the Council of Europe last year. Okay, um, great. At a, at a trafficking, you know, when they were yeah. discussing trafficking. Um, so it's reached a high level of yes. um, kind of awareness. Um, and like I said, with over 420,000 people now having signed a petition, mm -hmm. um, you know, and in total over the two years, we raised somewhere in the region of 25,000 pounds to pay for the court costs. But most young people won't have that, you know, because, because no. I've done it, you know, in an ironic sort of way, it makes it harder for the next one because um, people will give to, you know, um, to a cause, but maybe not repeatedly, you know, yeah. not repeatedly to all to other similar causes. Um, it's been asked. One of the things that has been asked me is why has this case got so much backing from people? And I said because as a society in England, in the last few years, it's become very negative. It's been mm -hmm. with Brexit and with everything else. It's you're for this or against that. Um, and what this is is a human interest story. It's about yes. a young person who just needs he's not asking for anything except the right to live yeah. a life and let's not forget he is the survivor of a crime of multiple yes. crimes yeah. that were multiple. committed against yeah. him when he was a child yes it really yeah. you if, know it, it makes me it makes me feel ashamed of if, my I, nationality if, I, sometimes. if i as a foster carer took a young person from the uk you know a uk lad mm. back to the his abuser then I will be rightly prosecuted. Yes, I did take and him yet, for the home our home office, secretary yeah. is prepared to send these children. And I say children. Yes, they become eighteen. So that that is their excuse. That it as doesn't raise what's happened no, to them. And, does it? and as people now accept that what is termed a child through this process, really, until somebody, I think, it, I think it's now accepted in the United Nations. It's well into the 20s before before they can be said to be an adult in the sense that they're yes. not vulnerable yeah um, you know but to send an abused child back to their abuser mm -hmm. would not be allowed here but it is allowed because it's the home the home office and the home sector and that's what i find so appalling and i think that's what's got us so much support yes. in the uk well I wish you the absolute best of luck with what you the battle you have you Thank have you. ahead of you. I hope 
that they are just putting you through the motions and are going to rule in your favor in in this latest case i hope that they're trying to you know you know i mean i don't yeah. hope but i i sort of no. wish that they're just playing a game with you to make sure yeah. you're serious and and that everything will be okay because i really think i hear lots of cases but this case is it's really sad and i would hate to see such potential yeah. wasted um, and also, I would like him to be able to face the issues that he's had in his past and to go on to be happy and successful. And, and also, you've done a fantastic job for him. So I just really hope for a good outcome of this case. And I hope there are people listening to this podcast which might be able to help in some way. Yes. And hopefully people, you know, the authorities in England and or the UK and Albania can actually look at things in a different light, perhaps, and think, let's use the positives not play on the negatives let's find a way to we have an issue with immigration to the uk from albania we have unfounded asylum claims but instead of punishing these people and and indiscriminately refusing let's try and work together and find a better solution that's positive for everybody If, if ali becomes the the successful chef they predict he will be he will be a credit to albania yes Yes, and, exactly. And that, yeah, same, same as Dua, the, uh, Dua Lipa, um, you know, Utoora, <laughs> they become yes. a credit to their country exactly. and they raise the image of their country. And exactly. that's how you change the image of Albania is by having successful citizens, even if they are not living in Albania. Yes. They will always be proud Albanians. And that's that for me is, is if I was giving a message to the Albanian government, I said be proud of the people for whatever reason they're in a different country but they will bring your they will bring your mm-hmm. country up exactly they are, the, they are the people you need to help succeed thank you very much john i wish you the best of luck yes thank you thank you very much thanks for listening to the explaining albania podcast you can stay up to date with our latest episodes on spotify google podcasts apple podcasts and of course anchor fm Be sure to follow us on social media as well for upcoming episodes and articles on Albania and the region.